Hello, hello, it's Joy Foster, founder of TechFixies, and I am really excited about today's podcast episode. Uh, this is going to be a really exciting one uh, for those of you who are interested in getting involved in YouTube, but also have a bit of an interesting love affair with historical dresses. I, for one, absolutely love uh, the costumes that you see in historical dramas, and I have a special guest here today who is an, an historical dressmaker. I was trying to think, do I have to say an historical dressmaker or a historical dressmaker? But yeah. here she is, Kathy Hay, the historical dressmaker extraordinaire uh, who has 147,000 followers on her YouTube channel, here to talk to us all about YouTube. Thank you, Kathy, for being here. Well, good morning, Joy. I'm really excited to be here. This is fantastic. Well, I'm so glad you're here. So you uh, and I met because we are in a mastermind with Jeff Walker. and uh, But I knew who you were before I was in the mastermind because a lot of people know who you are in the online industry because you've had so much success in building up a membership. Uh, and really, it started with corsets. Tell us all about this. Well, yeah, I started my business in 2007. And I started it really, I mean, I know a lot of what you do with TechPixies is about building on social media. And everything I do has been built on social media as it was back then, 2007. I had been on a site called Life Journal for about four years, just making friends with other historical dressmakers. Because historical dressmaking, it's, it's kind of a minority sport. But, you know, you're not going to find somebody down the street. So we were all getting online and finding each other on this very early sort of pre-social media platform. And after four years, I was like, huh, you know, I wasn't finding, I was trying to find brides who wanted wedding dresses. And what I actually found were other, other dressmakers who wanted to learn from me. And I started thinking, huh, what can I make for them? So I started this membership that was about, um, learning to sew the way they used to 100 years ago and more and and pooling all the knowledge from all of my friends who really all the ones who really knew what they were doing and giving people opportunity to just pay a little bit of money every month to get full-on tutorials and you know a little bit more than people were sharing on their blogs and really get the inside inside scoop I think it's amazing and you're right it is such a niche thing and i think this is an important message for people to hear you know, you could make the argument that, well, there's not that many people who do this, so it's not really worth trying to build this up. But the motivator for you to build up your membership was building something that you wanted that didn't exist. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the beauty of the Internet is that however niche, however weird your interests are, there are gonna be a couple of hundred people around the world who are into the same thing. So the business I have around a membership around historical dressmaking, that couldn't have happened in 1989 and it couldn't have happened in 1999. But now, you know, I have, I started out, you know, under a hundred people in those first few months. And now 15 years later, two and a half thousand people. And that's still not very many people, but, when you've got the whole world plugged into the internet, you can find those people. And that's that's the beauty of it. Well, and you say plugged into the internet. So you've been building up an Instagram account over the years. You've also built up a YouTube following. So you've got 87,000 followers on Instagram. 
You've got 147,000 followers on YouTube. Let's talk about, um, you know, it's important for people to know that everyone who's got the level of following you have on YouTube and Instagram, you, there was a day in, in time where you had zero followers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about maybe let's talk about. It. I mean, this is really I want to talk a lot about YouTube because uh, for those of you who don't know, Tech Pixies has just replaced our Twitter curriculum with our YouTube curriculum in our big program, and we'll continue to teach Twitter as a workshop. But we're going to pull it out of our coaching program uh, because we find that YouTube is the thing people are asking us a lot of questions about, uh, and and YouTube's really changed in the last few years. So, which ones did you start with first, Instagram or YouTube? Well, that's that's an important thing to know because over 15 years I'm not on the same platforms I used to be there are these migrations and as you're you're noticing and responding to maybe Twitter isn't quite the thing anymore and maybe YouTube is the place to go now so there's this shift over a series of years you know we were on live journal we switched to then it kind of shifted to Facebook about 2008 2009 2010 and now we shifted to Instagram from we went from Facebook to Instagram um maybe i don't know five or six years ago maybe um and then youtube has really been just in the last two two three years so it's been very recent so it was instagram first because that was the cool new platform when everybody started getting tired of facebook and facebook wasn't the cool place to be anymore it started to be the place where your mom is so all the cool kids were going to instagram so i'm still on facebook but instagram was important too it seemed to be you have to kind of move Keep moving with the times and things do, do move very fast so yeah you are starting again from zero followers yeah so tell us what that's like when you start with zero followers on youtube zero followers on instagram you know there's certain milestones right getting your first thousand getting your first five thousand tech Pixies is about to hit six thousand on instagram Ooh. we've been going for such a long time i'm like because we've been doing it organically you know and i think yeah. uh it also very much depends on what what the, the the people you're reaching, how you're reaching them. So let's mm -hmm. talk about some milestones for you in both of those followings. What what do you think um, sort of was the reason that you grew to the extent that you've grown in the time that you've grown? Well, it's a number of different things, but the important thing to think of at the beginning, it's very easy to get discouraged when you, you know, you can see people who have 87,000 followers and you're like, you're going to be doing backflips when you've got 87 followers, you know? So you've got to, keep um, cognizant very early on of what really what it was like on those earlier platforms like Facebook and like LiveJournal was when, when we were on those platforms, you were building friends. The people who followed you were friends. And now we've shifted to this place where you've got followers and subscribers. And it's like everybody's being encouraged to think of themselves as, as a celebrity who has an audience. But really, in those early days, you've got to get back to that thinking of, OK, I'm just starting to make friends. I just want to make friends. And that's where you start. That's where you build relationships to start off with. And particularly in those early days, it's important to keep a sense of these are friends. And when you've got 100 followers, it doesn't seem like very much in this day and age when there are people who have a million followers on YouTube. But 100 people, you've got to keep thinking, if I was in a room with a hundred people in front of me, what does that look? A hundred people, that's a hundred people's attention. That's, you know, if you think of a high school, that's three big classes, you know, in the assembly hall, that's a lot of people. So just keep 
thinking not so much of what the number looks like on a screen in front of you, but think of what that looks like as actual people. You know, it seems like nowadays 12,000 isn't that much compared to a million followers, but 12,000 fills Sheffield Arena. It's incredible. So you've got to really sort of um, conceptualize these huge numbers and just remember that's significant. 10 people is significant. You know, 10 people is a big party. So just keep cognizant of that and keep keep your eye on what what that number translates to in real life. So let's say you've got 100 friends on YouTube and you've got 100 friends on Instagram and you've got that, you're in that friend mentality, you're serving them well, you're replying to all their comments, you've got that engagement going. And now you're going for a thousand or you're going for 10,000 or you're going. So what were the shifts that you made or what, how did you uh, did you have to collaborate with people? How did you work with people uh, to go forwards to towards the, the, the higher the higher following? And, and how, you know, give us some of your secrets. Yeah. Well, that's the big thing is the big milestone on Instagram at the moment is that 10,000 when you get the swipe up capability. So the way I got to those sort of levels is really through collaboration. And that because we're a small niche and because I've been around for a while, you go to courses, you go to events, you meet people in person and you're not the only one who's trying to build a following. So you've really got to stop thinking in terms of competitiveness and think of collaboration. And when you meet those other people who are trying to build a following, and this is what I did on Instagram and YouTube, is getting together with other people who are also trying to build something and working as friends to build together. And what we did, there was a core, there's now sort of this big movement called Costume, which is all the costumers on YouTube, and there are hundreds of us now. In those early days, there were maybe five, six, seven, eight of us. And we really built each other together we uh, we recognise that people in our niche feel quite isolated because there aren't a lot of historical dressmakers out there. And so we wanted them to feel like there was a place where they belonged and that we were all friends. So we started, the few of us growing Instagram, growing YouTube, started working together as friends and making the friendships very public and promoting each other and talking to each other and talking to each other publicly and referencing each other. And there became these sort of in-jokes and conversations that people loved to watch. So when we started doing YouTube videos, you know, we would do mashups and collaborations and appear in each other's videos and refer to each other and make little side jokes that you'd only get if you were watching their channel as well. And we built it together. It really wasn't a case of, well, what's my following compared to hers? It was really a sense of all of us building historical dressmaking together and building something, you know, we could build it faster together than we could do individually. So it was really a process of working together to do it. Oh, I love that. I love that idea of uh, collaboration over competition. That's so great. Um, So let's talk about YouTube specifically, because we've just launched um, the YouTube uh, module in our uh, big coaching program. Tech Pixies has created a a free download. So if you go to techpixies.com forward slash YouTube, you can get our get started guide on YouTube. So we we recognize that people need just a quick start guide, a get started guide. So we've created that. Um, So 
talk to us about YouTube and talk to us about the power of YouTube and uh, and why YouTube is working for you and how it's working for you and what you're doing on it right now. You're doing some amazing stuff on it right now. YouTube is a very unique platform. It's not quite like any other because you can build a following on Facebook. You can build a following on Instagram. And I've done that. But there's something very different about YouTube. And it's it's had a very different effect because you can build that um, that brand on Facebook and Instagram, but on YouTube, on YouTube, it looks like you're on TV. It literally looks like you're on TV. And that has a special effect that is completely unintentional on my part. But instead of just being, uh, you know, on Instagram, you can be sort of one of the cool kids if you're one of the people with a big following you're kind of one of the cool kids in your niche but on youtube you're a bloody celebrity it's incredible people start really putting a lot of weight on what you're saying and uh, really start um you know in weight treating you a bit too much like you're something special so you really have a lot of influence when you go onto youtube and that comes with a certain amount of responsibility but it's a very, very powerful medium because it looks like you're on TV. And for many people, especially in my niche, we have a lot of very young people, you know, teenagers, people in the 20s who really are using YouTube as their TV. And I somebody pointed this out to me the other day that YouTube has really become TV in the sense that uh, traditional TV and Netflix and the iPlayer and all the rest of it, we're now binge watching. TV is on demand and what YouTube has got that TV almost hasn't got anymore is the sense that if you start to um, consistently upload at a regular time each week or each month, which is what is recommended so people know what to expect, that's like their favourite TV show. You know, in the old fashioned sense, they have to tune in at six o'clock on a Friday night. You don't have that with terrestrial TV anymore. So that sense of excitement is brought back in a way that we haven't had since we were kids tuning in for The Muppet Show on a Saturday night. So you really get that sense of excitement that people have lost in TV. Um, and I find that that has been really powerful. People make you part of their routine. So it's it's a powerful medium, um, you know, and the, 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 the ability to edit what you're doing really makes it a creative medium where you get to really craft a story um i mean that there are you can use youtube in quite a, a casual low-key way and just make a little vlog to camera kind of thing or you can get very very creative with it um which is what i do now what mine has grown into i work with a professional editor now to make really you know professional little films that are very entertaining and educational um, but I would advise if you start going and watching other YouTubers to try and figure out how to do this well and see what other people are doing. Um, a great piece of advice I got from somebody who helped me out when I started. Don't look at what they're doing now, because what they're doing now, what I'm doing now, for example, is really quite sophisticated. And it's going to get easy, be easy to get overwhelmed when you're starting out looking at people who are five years down the road. Scroll, go to the videos tab where all their videos tab are and scroll right down to the bottom and see what they were doing when they started. 
in fact, a very successful YouTuber um, I used to know, she started out her channel before she ever made her first video. She picked four or five different YouTubers and went back and watched everything they'd done right from the beginning and just observed when did their videos get significantly better and what had changed? You know, what, what makes me keep watching and what makes me want to start checking my phone? What keeps me engaged? What works? What doesn't work? And she did a lot of just observing other people and how their channels work. So you notice things like, you know, how it seems to get much better when the audio gets better, when they get, you know, when you get your first proper microphone. Nobody would actually pick out, oh, well, I like her because the audio is good. But there's something imperceptible that is so much nicer to watch when the audio is good. So you can learn a lot from watching other people, but watch from the beginning. That's such great advice. In fact, um, I think especially with really large Instagram accounts as well, that's really important to go back and look at their first posts because they're usually nothing like what they're doing now. And and really, it's it's about trial and error, right? It's about, okay, I'm going to try this and see and, and everything else. But you're right, you know, to start out with all of the fancy equipment and all the editing and all the everything else is overwhelming if you've never done it before. And I think, um, you know, it's like when I started doing live videos, there was no, you know, there is no, there was no script. There still really isn't a script, but it's, a, it was for me, it was about showing up every week, no matter what, showing up every week, no matter what, same time, same place. And, you know, everyone knows 10 o'clock Friday morning, Facebook, I'm, I'm doing the live podcast and now it's on YouTube and then it gets pushed into Instagram. So um, let's talk about this project that you are working on uh, because it's an incredible project, the peacock dress. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, I, I personally love uh, historical drama. I love the, you know, love, um, I used to love reading it when I was younger uh, and I love watching it now. So, you know, when Bridgerton came out, I was there, you know, um, when any of these things come out, I just, I just love it. So tell me, um, tell me what it's like to be working on the peacock dress. Give, uh, give our audience a little bit of a history of the peacock dress and, uh, and why it's so special to you. Um, it's a dress that I fell in love with about 15 years ago. So it's a dress that most of, I believe most of your tech pixies are in the UK. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So if you know um, the National Trust properties, there is one in Derby called Kettleston Hall. It's only about 45 minutes from where I live. And when I went to visit for the first time, they have this one dress in a glass case in the middle of the room. And it's like lit with this, this soft glow and it's it's incredible it's this dress that is covered in embroidery covered in gold and silver embroidery uh, in the shape of peacock feathers and it's just an incredibly complex dress it's the most complex dress i think i've ever seen um, and it's just that's my what you're seeing there that's my uh, sample trying to figure out how it was done so I'm, as well as a dressmaker, I'm a mathematician. So I look at this dress and think, how was that done? Is it possible to sort of reverse engineer and make it as it was back in the day? Because it's just so faded and tarnished and it's been altered heavily. And just to kind of retrace the steps and retrace its story and figure out what it looked like when it was new. And then uh, my dream when I started out was, what if we could make it? step out of the glass case so we could see it on a body and see it moving it would have looked fantastic and dazzling under electric light which was brand new back then so that's been 
uh, my dream dress project, my sort of great white whale has been to try to see if it's possible to figure it out and recreate it. And over the last 15 years I've been trying to do it, the journey has changed so much and developed so much. And it's become something I'm doing to prove that anything is possible. It's really just the most impossible dress I have seen. So what I noticed when I was making these, I'm very into doing these very ambitious dress projects. And I noticed that um, people were commenting on my posts saying, well, if you can do that, I can finish my master's thesis. If you can do that, I can make this. I can, I can start sewing, I can try. So there was this sense of people wanting to try their own ambitious project because they were watching, well, if you can do that, then I can do this. So that's also become, that journey has become deeper and deeper and deeper because now we're in a situation in 2021 where I've had to look at things about this dress that I've been ignoring because there's a history to this dress that is very significant and that I can't separate it from. I looked at the pretty dress to start off with and separated it from its history. It's got a very dark history, but it's symbolic of uh, the colonization of India by the British. And that's really so um, topical right now and we're having to look again at what are the stories we're telling about our history how do we tell those stories better from more points of view? How do we tell the story of India from the Indian point of view? What was really happening in India? Was the British Empire really a good thing? How, how did India come out the other end of that? So there's this much deeper and more serious conversation going on about what am I really saying when I recreate a dress like this? What does it symbolize? And my next video coming up is going to be about, am I really saying what I want to say when I'm saying that I'm making this dress that is symbolic of so much and has so much negative story with it? And what can we do with it to say it's something more positive and something that speaks to where we are today and how we're trying to create a more inclusive society? So it's just, that just goes deeper and deeper, this project. So. That I love, I mean, what an amazing gift though, you know, to, to take on a project and you think, okay, it's just about a pretty dress that I love and then realize how there's a whole history of people that have been forgotten in this dress. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's so topical right now because, you know, we're going through a period of time where uh, really people are trying to elevate all voices of all people mm -hmm. from all backgrounds. And, uh, and what an amazing um, experience, you know, even though it might not be an easy experience, what an amazing mm -hmm. experience, what an eye-opening experience. So this is what I love. So, so what you've done, and here's the thing that I think is really unique, and I think this is part of your YouTube strategy, but you can tell me, I don't know. Um, rather than just like do the dress and then do the video on YouTube, you've taken people on the journey, the whole journey. Mm -hmm. There's you know, where you go and you speak to different people and you, you, you do your sample and you're, you, there's every element of this dress is broken down into many, many videos. So how many videos have you done? How frequently do you re release them? How long are they? Uh, and, and sort of um, what's the methodology behind, you know, how you build on the next level? Um, well, I think much of it is around how I'm doing it is I see an opportunity for leadership that you get to not only fit into your niche and fit into what works and do what works for other people, you get to lead if you want to and say, 
I see how we can do this better and set an example. And that's one of the opportunities around YouTube. Um, what I noticed in my niche is that lots of people who sew believed that each video has to be a self-contained project. How to make a thing, how to make one of these. And they were running themselves ragged, trying to complete the whole project, film it all, edit it all, get it up on YouTube for that regular schedule because YouTube likes you to post regularly. Um, and it was not only burning out the creators, but it was burning out the audience as well because the audience were looking at these projects where they're very edited down to the, the bare minimum and the things that went well. And then they were trying sewing for themselves and finding it's a lot harder than it looks. Because in that video, that thing came together in 20 minutes flat. And why is it taking me three months? So what I've been trying to do with this project is I really want to take people through the whole journey and show them that it doesn't, you know, even for somebody who's been sewing for 30 years, I make mistakes, I screw it up. You know, you can see me cursing and getting it wrong on the video. And I leave that in just to demonstrate and do something a bit different and demonstrate that progress takes time. So I've literally taken the risk of dragging this project out over months and months and months and months and showing that people are still interested and that it's valid to take your time over something. We don't need everything to be delivered tomorrow. So that's really been my message and the sort of overall, um, the overall message of what I'm doing. Um, and that's important to have. You won't have it immediately, but over your first few videos, start to think and develop, what's the overall message here? What am I trying to say with my channel? What am I trying to say with my brand? What am I trying to teach people or share? What do I want people to remember when I'm gone? Um, so I'm doing that through these videos. And my schedule at the moment is that I will release sort of the big peacock dress video, progress video at the end of the month with the progress for that month. And then I also publish one in between in the middle of the month. So it's roughly every other week. Okay, so yeah, so you're only publishing twice a month. Yeah. And and how long are the the videos? The the big video is how the monthly video is how long? They can range from I mean the shorter ones in the middle of the month, they can be as short as 10 minutes. The longer ones, I've had some that are 25 30 minutes. We've had one that was over three quarters of an hour, if I remember correctly. So it just depends on how much footage there is that month. But there isn't, I'm not aiming for a particular length. People will. Yeah, it's a message that you're aiming yeah. for. And it's not, it's, you know, you can only, it's like our mental Jeff Walker says, you can't, you, you cannot, you can't be too long. You can only be too boring. So the length doesn't matter just as long as you're interesting. Yeah. So that's the thing to watch for. Oh, genius. Well, I, I appreciate your time so much. I think for someone who's just getting started out in YouTube, obviously we uh, want very much encourage them uh, to download our techpixies.com forward slash YouTube uh, freebie, which is all about getting started on YouTube. But um, and just as a little bonus aside, Kathy has told me she's going to send me all of the equipment that she's got with her YouTube. Um, and so we're going to add that into the bonus. So if you grab the freebie, we'll, we'll then email you the, the, the special list that Kathy's going to put together for you of 
so tell us a little bit more about that that um yeah. list you're gonna put together i was gonna say you can if you watch my videos nowadays you probably figure out that i've got some pretty neat kit at this point um but what i've put in that list is everything i've bought for my channel over the last four or five years so there's the starting out with my phone and a little basic tripod that you can mount your phone onto and a little ring light that clips onto your phone and then you can see a little bit later on i kind of upgraded a bit and got an extra, a, a camera and you know a little a better tripod and a and a microphone so there was an upgrade there and then you can see another upgrade where i went a little bit further got some lights because the light in britain is horrible and, and you know and and to the point where last year i just i got this professional editor and we just upgraded to like the proper professional kit so you can see it's in stages it's not like you have to go and buy all the stuff when you start out you can start out very simple and phones right now have incredibly sophisticated cameras on them so you can start out with a phone on a little tripod with a little ring light and you're, you're good um it's good to have a little microphone too because the better your audio is the better um but yeah you can upgrade a step at a time and that document really shows how i've done that with all the links to amazon with all the all the different kit i bought so yeah i would agree with you i think three things that are really powerful a light a microphone and a camera and you're right the phone camera is really good and the iphone microphone is really good as well mm -hmm. so you know for people who are really just starting out light and an iphone is is can be the very thing you start with and uh and you know so that's great and now you don't edit the videos anymore did you edit them in the beginning i did yes i did until december last year it's been less than a year i've had an editor wow and what what was your what was your um editing suite when you were doing it i used uh, Prem uh don't you premier elements which is I mean, Premiere Pro is the stuff they use in Hollywood for movies, I hear, and it's very sophisticated. And um, if you want to go for that, you can start using it and, you know, use whatever you can figure out. Elements is like a cut down version that doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but has enough that you can go a long way with that. So I just started with that and a couple of online tutorials. And really, you don't have to start out particularly sophisticated with it. It's just a tool for chopping off the beginning when you when you turn the camera on you know you want to chop off that bit and then chop off the end where you hit stop and that'll do but as you go you'll figure out how to just chop out that little bit where you kind of got distracted or chop out that little bit when your phone went and you'll start to get gradually more sophisticated you don't have to do it perfectly to start out with but as you start having a little go at editing you'll start going oh how do I do this? And you Google it and figure it out. So, you know, you might want to bring a picture onto screen when you're talking about something. So you figure out how to do that. And then you figure out, oh, I've seen in other people's videos that when they bring a picture up onto screen, it does this sort of pop sound. So how do I get a pop sound? And you figure that. So little by little with each video, you figure out a little bit more and a little bit more. So that's a, that's a, a great thing to, to use. And let's close on one question about the gift that 
becoming visible on Instagram and YouTube has given you. I think we have a lot of women who are listening to this podcast that are afraid to take off their invisibility cloak. We say it's the first superpower that all women have uh, is their invisibility cloak, and many of them are wearing it. And you have to have a certain amount of courage to go on to YouTube and onto Instagram and to tell your story and to share your passion. What would you say to the woman who's got her invisibility cloak firmly on and uh, wants to take it off. Uh, and what, 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 that was the gift that taking off your invisibility cloak has given you. Yeah, this is, this is, so, this is something that everybody struggles with. And I think you're making that clear joy. Everybody's got this invisibility cloak on. And that's important to know that when you go in front of an audience for public speaking, or you have a camera in front of you, you think that the audience are judging you and they're not. They are also a bunch of people with invisibility cloaks on and they're actually rooting for you. You know, when you watch somebody else go up on stage or you watch somebody get in front of a camera, you're quietly, if you're a nice person, you're sitting there going, go on, good for you, go on. And they're, they're absolutely rooting for you. What the most important thing to remember is, and actually this I think is one of my superpowers when I'm making videos now, I haven't got an audience of 147,000 people. I've got an audience of one person. I only ever talk to one person. That camera in front of me is one person. Even now as I'm talking to you, I'm not thinking of all of the tech pixies. I'm thinking of one text tech pixie and I'm talking to you. So and I use this, uh, that's not only helps me, but it's very powerful in video. I did a uh, one a couple of months ago when I was trying on the mock-up version of the top half of the dress for the first time. And I was nervous to do that in front of a camera. And so I did this little bit to camera where I was like, it's just you and me, right? There aren't all those people watching, it's just you and me, okay? <laughs> so, it's important to just think of one other person and they're also an ordinary person like you who's in their invisibility cloak who just is trying to get through the day who just wants a little bit of encouragement and that's really been the powerful part of what i do the gift that it's given me is the gift to make a difference in one other person's life um, i now have uh, a p.o box and I get letters from people and they tell me very intimate details of their lives and how this particular video you made helped me in this way. And that is just, I have a thriving business now and all the money in the world doesn't mean as much to me as those letters that I get. Um, that's the really powerful thing for me, that people that I feel like I'm making an actual difference in individual people's lives. Oh, I love that. Well, and I've gotten to spend some time with you one-on-one, -on -one, and I know you're such an incredible human being. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for introducing YouTube to the Tech Pixies audience. What a, what a blessing to have you on talking about that. Um, and I just, uh, just want to thank you for your time and for your energy, and also can't wait for that little bonus list as well. Um, what a gift that is for our audience. And, you know, I can't wait to see you in person uh, again soon. Yes very soon. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Joy. It's been an absolute joy to talk to the Tech Pixies. And I think 
you can, you can do this. It just little, little baby steps, one at a time, one video after another, and you might be very surprised at what happens. Watch this space. Yeah.